This week's podcast is sponsored by Malone Accountants in Rathcool, County Dublin. Be sure to check out maloneaccountants.ie or follow them at Malone & Co Tax on Twitter and Instagram and Malone Accountants on Facebook. Thank you for the support and I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the GA Scores podcast. You're very welcome along to the GA Scores podcast. I'm your host, Ashton O'Reilly, and it's all about the Allianz League action from the weekend. It's the first time on the show, so hopefully the lads will take it easy on me. And I'm delighted to be joined by Caro Kane, Pierce Corcoran and Connor Coyle. Well, lads, how are you? Good, yourself? I'm good, yeah. thank you. All good, all good. Well, good, welcome to the show. Brilliant, yeah, thanks for having me. So it's the first weekend of having the Inter-County GA back in action. Uh, lots of speculation. Was it going to happen? Was it going to go ahead? Should it? Shouldn't it? But it did. The first weekend did and some great games. And something I think that stood out for me was just how high score in a lot of the games were. It's something we don't normally see. Um, we've seen Mayo racking up 323. We'd Cork with 519. Uh, even the Dublin Amid was 120 to 19 points to the Dubs in the end. For you, what's what out for you is over the games over the weekend? Cahar, I'll come to you first. Yeah, that's that's a great starting point because the the, the big score and tallies in, in the games sort of, you know, it's a first weekend and all the rest, but it sort of indicates a, a trend that, that's following most sports around the world as they're, as they're coming back. Like we've seen the Premier League and the, some of the crazy score lines and crazy games mm-hmm. that have been there in the in the first couple of months so you know hopefully if we get a championship that continues and there's no reason to think that it wouldn't because teams just have not had the same time to prepare they haven't had the same you know time to work on defensive systems and all of the rest of that and they're so good now you know what I just remember even though we missed I think it was um I think it was David Murray for Ross Common, I was at their game with Armand Saturday evening, and and he he had a shot from about thirty five yards off his left foot and put it <laughs> wide, a, a corner back off his bad foot, and you're yeah. just thinking, you know that, but that's where it's at now. You know, you you, you see cornerbacks take so many comfortable scores now that it's not a thing anymore. It's it's just you know any player in that position. So the scoring rates are up and up and up, and now the fact that teams have had so little time to work on the defensive end of it, I think you'll see, hopefully, a lot of the basic and natural skills come to the fore in the championship and, the, you know, hopefully the teams that try and go overly defensive get punished for it. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That's definitely something I noticed over the games as well. Like the blanket defence, you just, you didn't see it as much. It was a lot more direct play. So enjoyable to watch and hopefully it does now. For coming into the champions, please God that we will see more of it. Pierce, what was your views from the games over the weekend? Well, the one that stood out for me um, was probably Mayo. Uh, I think, as far as seeing Kieran McDonald's impact on that forward line was mm-hmm. just extraordinary. And on top of that, you know, I thought it was I thought it was kind of uh, apt for a team like that. You know, their new star was a new kind of long haired. Uh, kind of like centre centre forward, you know, like history repeating itself for a county like Mayo. Um, but it, like as aside from Mayo and you know what they what they're doing, I think that, like like touched on, there were some really really big high scores over the over the last couple of uh, last uh, over the weekend. But I think to kind of highlight any teams that are like stood out, I think some of the bigger teams probably looked a tad unconditioned, which is probably to be expected. But mm-hmm. as well as that, though, like if you had to see, if you had to kind of hold it up against other professional sports, a lot of professional sports that are playing uh, in front of empty crowds have been a bit eccentric in their results. So if you were to take that and put it into, apply that to the GAA and see, after the first weekend, seeing like Mead run Dublin close-ish, you know, Mayo coming out against Galway, best name in, in the league so far and blowing them away. Uh, a similar good results down in Division 2 for some teams as well in 3 and 4 it's been uh, it was really interesting but I suppose great just to have it back 
Yeah, definitely. And we're now waiting for the announcement of what's going to happen next with the restrictions. Um, Connor, I'll bring you in. What's your view? Like, if we do go into level five here this evening, it, it should come into play. I think it's from it's Wednesday, I think, is what I heard. Do you think the GA will continue or what will happen? Well, I think what we've seen kind of, you know, over the last 24 hours and, and even over the last couple of weeks is that there's, you know, there's plenty of mixed messages, you know, going out there from from all sides. I think I think the GA is, you know, has has been fairly quick to, um, you know, to kind of, you know, to preempt the, the guidelines coming out. And even if they're not forced to, to shut things down as such, they'll do it if they, if they believe it's in the, you know, the public interest. So, um, you know... I think it was Leo Bradker was was on last week saying that level five should lead to no GA being being organised. But um, you know, as far as anything else can can be seen, you know, it is possible that you know it's elite level sports and it, it, there is a way of facilitating it. But um, I, I would I, I would be surprised if, um, if if things are able to go ahead. You know, if you're on the maximum level of of you know kind of lockdown as such to, to have. Players traveling from from one end of the country to the other just it, it doesn't really seem uh, practical. I, I I would say, but I suppose we we'll, we'll find out more in the coming days. Yeah, like obviously we're sports people and we want the GA to go ahead more than anything. And it's great to see there at the weekend to have something at the weekend to sit down on a Saturday evening and watch a game. But you know you hear people saying if the GA can go ahead, how can't I go out and you know play around the golf and. I don't I don't have any answer like I'm like I, I don't know how that's fair do you know I, I there's a lot of right and wrongs I don't know lads uh Cahir, what do you think on it all uh, your point is exactly the point a lot of people would make that um there's just no consistency in terms of what you can do and what you can't do and it's all half measures and 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 people are fatigued and frustrated buy it now after what almost said was more than seven months now um of of you know and it feels like you know people are are jumping on the ga now is and how can you play and how can you do this and how can you do that and obviously the the ga has done a lot of brilliant work in terms of being the first to shut down and being very responsible and then obviously the helping communities and 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 different things and you know it just feels like the ordinary Rank and play the ordinary Joe Soap in 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 Ireland is has now been punished for you, you know we're seven months in and we're still sitting in the house and you're looking at the last seven months and thinking well why were we sitting in the house because yeah. we thought this thing would be gone or be some way towards it we're further back now than we ever were and we're looking at months and months and months more of this you know they're talking about can we you know sit in the house for the next two months and we might be able to see of Christmas and it's you know it's really grating on people and you know it really grates on me when when I look at the at the rugby in New Zealand and the forty six thousand people at New Zealand Australia last weekend and New Zealand have had twenty five deaths and two thousand cases in seven months we're we're recording two thousand cases a day and we're sitting in the house locked down you know and it's, it's just it's, yeah. Oh, all the half measures have amounted to nothing. As I, you know, I've written a column for tomorrow and sort of likened it to, you know, you're in a boat full of holes and you've only two hands, and that's what we're doing at the minute. Like you're, you're putting your hand over two holes, and the rest of them, the water is going to get in and out because we're not, you know what I mean? Like unless you do like New Zealand and lock the whole thing down from top to bottom, and and eradicate the virus in the community and the transmission of it and then you're able to reopen um like they're the only country really that in terms of you know uh sort of being like ireland in the sense of small island small population that you can look at and they have done such a brilliant job and in that context we have made such a mess of it and it's it's just wild frustrating I just don't know how we're so far away from the, where they are. It's 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 mad to think and to look at the stadiums filled up. You're like, geez, that you nearly think watching it, that must have been a year ago. That couldn't be now. But like, that's how far ahead they are. Um. Oh, well, like they locked it down. Basically, yeah. they locked the borders. They closed they the, the borders. borders. Yeah. They closed the borders. They shut everything down. And 
And when it came back, there was a small outbreak again a couple of months ago and they just did the same over again. And like they're pretty much as close to rid of it as you can be. And yet, you know, we we'll say we're we're recording more cases now than than at any point and, and it just and it feels like from that point of view the last seven months have been for nothing and, and it feels like we're you know, it feels like we should be able to have a championship, at least behind closed doors, if not better. But yeah, it feels like it. Like I can't justify it. I, I I've said that I don't think there should be a championship because it's very hard to justify um, in the current climate. But that's frustrating. Yeah, that sums it up. It, it, we'd love it, absolutely love it, and of course we want to see it happen. But it's it's very hard to justify. Pierce, we'll uh, let you chime in as well, and then we'll move on to um, some of the games and we can review them. Yeah, no, I just like I completely understand the point that people are making about you know, we feel like we're just going backwards. But I think the only thing that the only thing that's to be acknowledged, though, and, like, it, look, it's not about kind of pointing fingers at particular individuals or clubs or people or whatever. Like, we still had a situation where, in, over the last two to three months, clubs were winning championships and people were having events that didn't send out the right message to be kind of soft about it here. Like it's, and again, it's. I'm not trying to kind of pin the blame on anybody or anything or anything, one or whatever. But we've all kind of seen or heard or whatever messages through the grapevine or otherwise of clubs having big celebrations, whether it's behind closed doors or caught on camera, and then cases coming emanating from that. So I think the only thing I'd have, I'd say, about the GA in this instance, and they have been marvellous in, in a lot of instances, and when the initial lockdown came in, I said this last week, they built up a huge amount of credit in the bank because they did wonders in the community. But in the same respect, I've been at games in parks around the country where there was big crowds when there wasn't supposed to be. It was supposed to be made behind closed doors. Not many people wear masks. Not many people uh, were going to wash wash their hands. And I've seen anecdotes from different people around the country saying that they felt, in large part, there was a lot of people just paying lip service to it. So I think, as well as everything else that happened, look, I'm not defending the government or anything like that. Like They have done, for me, they've done some good things, but some bad things as well. But I think we need to get back to a position of just taking more responsibility of it. And if we are going to have GAA games, if we are going to have competitions, like the big fear I have, and I mentioned this to someone last week, that, you know, the emotion after clubs winning county finals and winning them for the first time in 50 years and having big parties. Well, the scenario that I think is, should, is probably going to worry the GAA a lot is... For example, imagine if Mayo win the All-Ireland, 19th of December, in Crow Park. It'd be behind closed doors, but people won't tell People, if we're to use the last couple of months as the trend, are not going to uh, keep indoors. They're going to go to the pub, they're going to celebrate, they're going to do whatever they do. And that, for me, is a big problem in, in how we're going to tackle it. And we need to tackle that first before, going, before fixing anything else. Yeah, like I, I'm not laughing, but I just I, if Mayo won the All Ireland this year, like I just can't. Like after all this time, it would just be their luck to have yeah. it. Like, do you know what I mean? This year to be their year, but look, I don't think any of them would mind what year it is. You know, they they'd want their All Ireland. No true. fair, yeah, uh, fair points. But um, yeah, so we'll move on. We'll we'll start with the Division One. We'll start with Donegal and Tyrone. So as Donegal was 217, Tyrone 213. So a four-point win there for Donegal. Uh, Connor, you're a Tyrone man. I am, yeah. <laughs> so what yeah. did you make of that result? Did you expect it, I'm sure? Did you tip Tyrone maybe to, to do it? I definitely thought they would have came away with the win. It's hard to know. I mean, as, as I think the boys have alluded to there, it's hard to know where teams are at really, having you know not been in action for for the guts of seven months. And um, you know, I, I I think personally that Donegal kind of have Tyrone's number, particularly um, particularly in Bally Buffet. Obviously, it's a you know kind mm. of tight pitch, and I think Tyrone probably didn't help themselves with the way that they set up. Um, I know we we're talking before there about um you know, how teams are kind of coming out and just playing 15 on 15 drone. I don't really think 
tried to do that yesterday. I think in if in, in large parts, you know, they actually had fifteen men behind the ball, and it was it was kind of going back to the old days of when Tron Donegal used to play, and it was just kind of you know this kind of fifth passing over and back across around the halfway line, and I think for for large parts it wasn't you know well it was a fairly high enough scoring game. You know there wasn't. You know, there was a lot of that in it, and um, you know, there's a couple of you know flashes of individual brilliance. You know, with with um, with, with Morgan's goal in the in in the first half, and and, and even Michael Murphy's uh, fist pass in for the second goal as well. But um, mm. I, like all, just always had thrown out a bit of a bit of a purple patch um, just at the start of the second half, but. Uh, Donegal just always kept a couple of points ahead with those kind of goals that they got at the right time. So I think, you know, while I don't think Tron will be too disappointed, apart from the fact that, you know, it leaves them in a difficult position now, we're having to go to go and beat Mayo next week. Um, I think in terms of, you know, they'll not be too distraught over that. It's 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 more, I, th- I think, I think they have a, a long way to go before they're able to actually compete against Donegal, you know, properly um, in, in a few weeks' time, whenever the championship, if it, if it comes around. Yeah, and Conor McKenna, we've seen him make his first start as well um, since coming back from AFL. What did you make of his performance? I thought I thought he was fantastic. Now, I mean, I, there was plenty of talk about him before the game. I, someone was saying to me before the game that they, they thought he was gonna he was gonna make a huge difference straight, straight away. And I I, I kind of said to myself, I don't think that's right. I mean, you know, no matter about whatever physical condition he's in or whatever, he hasn't played. Yes, well, he's never played senior into county football before, and he has, you know, he's he's played only a bit, a, a bits and pieces of club football with with English over over the last couple of years. So I would have thought it, it would have taken him, you know, a few games at least, you know, to get into the swing of things. But um, I thought he was he was fantastic. Like he's, he's he only had to look at the the challenges between himself and and Michael Murphy. Like you know, who is you know a, a huge man, you know. Mm. The, or to come up against someone like that, and you know, to have the the confidence in himself to actually, you know, to go against him in a, in a 50-50 shoulder and and probably come out the better of the two, just shows where he's at physically. And obviously, then you know, the the game was kind of gone by the time he got his goal, but um, just the kind of speed on him, the and 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 the kind of um, they were kind of take it around that last man and put it put it in the net. Just uh, showed he showed a couple of real good flashes of brilliance, and I think he's he's going to be a, a huge help for Trump, particularly um, in the absence of of, of Cal McShane. Yeah, definitely. Um, just actually on that, uh, so we were missing Cal McShane and Peter Hart was missing as well, actually. They're bound to be a huge loss for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, listen, they're, they're, they're two fantastic players. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of talk on, on Twitter over the weekend and, and things they got about um, about Tyrone's forwards and, and kind of how, you know, we, we've kind of tried to move towards this kind of more attacking style of play, having, you know, traditionally been been a lot more kind of defensive and and, and, and counter-attacking team over the last few years. Um, I still think, you know, we still have plenty of talent there in, in terms of forwards that, that maybe don't get utilised as much as, 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 what, as what they should, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think we have the players there, you know, there's no doubt about that. Um, I just think that, that, you know, heading into the championship in a couple of weeks time, you know, Donegal will have a bit of an Indian sign over us and mm. especially considering it's a, it's a, it's a one, you know, one loss in your right situation, you know, we'll have to do a lot of improving to, to get the better of them in the championship. Yeah. And Carter, what did you make of Donegal? Were you impressed with them? Yep. Um, Connor's right. Donegal just seemed to have a thing on throwing at the minute. It, it was mm. even though it was even though it was you know the first game back. There were, there seemed a lot of similarities between the game yesterday and the and the game down in Breffney Park and the yeah in the championship um, in terms of the style of it and the way it went and you know even the fact that you know the scoreline flattered Tyrone more than it flattered Donegal really and. Um, with a late goal and different things, so like, going in there, you know, two weeks is not a huge amount of time. I think we'll definitely see changes from a from a throwing perspective in terms of how how they maybe line out defensively. Um, like I thought, I thought they really missed Colin Kavanagh massively yesterday, um, as much as as much as Cal McShane, you know, and and yeah. that because. 
they had no real platform in the middle of the field at all. They, they really, you know, Donegal were were much bigger than them, and uh, and and were able to contest a lot and and win a lot of anything that went fifty fifty. And then, you know, from the sweeping element of it, like Donegal were fit to cut scores far far too easily, and like Jamie Brennan and a bit of a field day at times, like and and even even the you know like Pater Mogan's goal was brilliant. You know, he took it superbly, but. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's the defensive mind that that I would have sometimes. Like, but I just thought that to to sell three men and to get through that gap, we like it was a nice dummy, but it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? It it wasn't the kind of dummy that sells three men for me, and for him to be able to walk through and yeah. nobody touch him then from there to go. It, it just you know you don't see calm, that normally. Like, oh, you don't calm, normally see that happen to Tyrone. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Colm Cavanaugh doesn't give away goals like that. No. You know, and that's, I think that's probably one of the biggest issues they have is, 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 you know, deciding on who's going to play that role for them. It was Frank Burns for a lot of yesterday and just deciding who's, who's going to play it and whether they can get up to speed on it quickly enough. Big time. And Pierce, do you reckon that it'll be a psychological sort of blow for Tyrone now, you know, to, to meet them again in two weeks time or so? Yeah, I, yeah, I really think it's probably something that Tyrone will. It'll be it'll be a sting in their tail, I think, and it might be a psychological blow in one sense, but I also think it's probably good for them in another sense because they're going back into the championship with a little with the bit between their teeth now, and you know I think that's a little to it there. Johnny Gall seems to have a bit of a hold over Tyrone at the moment, so it mightn't have been the best thing in a way for them to go out yesterday. I beat the fellas who they were who who their bogey team, because now you know regardless what happens next weekend, now all focus is, is back on the Milan in a couple of weeks' time, and they'll be motivated big time to win it, and their hunger will be even more so if it can be. So yeah, I think um, I think Donegal have a big target on their back now. Big time. So we'll move on to Mayo versus Galway. So this was. A shocker of a game, I think, to say lightly. So Mayo, 323, just a huge score. And to Galway, 17 points. So it was a 15-point win there for Mayo. Um, we talked, will it be Mayo's year? Uh, we've seen some moments of brilliance up front. Um, I think it's Mark Moore, and he made his debut. He scored 1-2, got a man of the match. Um, I don't know. He reminds me a bit of Kieran McDonald. I know we were talking there about Kieran McDonald and how I'm sure he's having a huge influence now being on the background team. But uh, just the way Mark Moran played, the way he like, picked a player out, you know, the long ball in, sort of out into space, it just reminded me exactly like Kieran McDonald. I don't know if, if anyone else thinks that, Cara. What do you think? He certainly stood out a mile. I don't know. Like, I wasn't aware of him on TikTok. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, but I have to say I went for I went for and searched for his videos after the match yesterday. <laughs> you, oh my god, you need to look what, these up if the other two lads haven't seen them. <laughs> uh, these two boys need to get on TikTok if they're not already. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but um, the I uh, got what was it, what was it one point one point one million views on one of them. Yeah, uh, and they did, he he doesn't did, give a flying like he's just very much out there himself he's, yeah he seems to be that sort of a spirit but like he, he was very good yesterday and like Mayo were were very very good but god go we were atrocious at times um yeah. so so wide open at the back and I think like for me even though you know obviously they're, they're missing a couple of men yesterday as well and, and then the couple of injuries um Damien Comer and and uh, Johnny Duan inside what the first 10 minutes and yeah and it was a big blow to them as well but I just think that you know there was a lot of said about them earlier in the year and they were flying up front but I just always had reservations that their defense was good enough to cope with a more expansive style and I always felt that there was going to be some vindication down the line of, of why Kevin Walsh's team played the way it did. Um, like People forget where Galway football was when Kevin Walsh came in. Um, and, you know, he had brilliant success uh, playing an, an unpopular style of football, but but it brought them to a level they hadn't been at in a long time. And um, 
and moving away from it was always going to be a risk. And I just feel that, you know, yesterday was the first sign that their defence will probably be just too exposed and just not good enough to, you know, people are talking about them possibly winning all Ireland. I just, I, I don't see it. I haven't seen it in them, to be honest. Um, yeah, so you don't think it was anything to do with COVID or missing players or anything like that? You reckon they're just getting found out almost? Well, yesterday's performance was probably about, absolutely, about to, to do with missing players and, and different things, but I've had that sense about them for a while. Um, you know, looking back right. at them over the last couple of years, I, I just feel that, you know, if they opened up, their defence would be got at. Mm. And I think, you know, we're, we were going to see the fruits of it at, at some point. Um, I could be completely wrong on this. I might be eating, eating a bit of pie in, in a couple <laughs> of months' time, but, but I just... I just haven't seen it in them, and obviously they've been talked up as as all Ireland contenders. And you know they've they've come out of Connacht a couple of times in, in recent years and, and reached that all Ireland semi final where they were you know whitewashed really by Dublin, and it wasn't wasn't a contest. And they have been for me just a wee bit overhyped, you know, over the last couple of years. Um, like I wouldn't have them. You know, I would have them on a par with Monaghan, if even. You know, they're, that's what, they're in that bracket of the top seven, eight teams, without doubt, but they're not in the top four. And even though we, I, I need to go look at the table here, but they are in contention, aren't they, for the Division One? They are. I, they they could still could still win it if they yeah win their last game, but. I suppose was it, I think it's the last two years now. To be fair, the top four in the Top four in Division One have been the All Ireland semi finalists. If I'm right in saying that off the top of my head, but but they're coming. I don't know. I just if they got got to an All Ireland semi final, I think it'd be a good year for them. Right. Yeah. 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 And Connor, did you think that Mayo were just uh, I don't know far superior, or were Galway just terrible? I can mean, like anything else. You know, there's a bit of both there. Obviously, it's. it's Cahar said already, you know, Galway were, were hugely disappointing and whether you, you put that down to them, you know, not being as good as what people say they are altogether or, um, you know, uh, I, th- I think just in, in general, you look at it a few results of the weekend, I think there was always going to be this case of, you know, a few outlying results and I, I don't think, for example, that, that Mayo were, uh, you know, 17 points, the better team or whatever finished up um, than Galway. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, kind of, they, you know, would be fairly evenly matched. Like when when it comes to, um, you know, where they're at. So I mean, I think, like Mayo, are, Mayo are outstanding. Like, and I mean, I think what what makes it even more impressive for Mayo is that you know, there's still still a good handful of of fellas that, and they're only in their first year. Like you know, new fellas into the team, particularly fellas that maybe weren't even in in contention before COVID. Um, I think that's just something obviously that that James Horn is as has really focused on over in, 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 in the gap there is actually having a look at players who are, are maybe impressing for their clubs and, and has obviously got them in. So obviously Mark Mark Morn's the you know the, the typical example of that. But they had other fellas obviously that were you had a couple of real good performances at away at, at the club league like the likes of uh McDonough and stuff. So you know one thing I suppose that people are, would maybe traditionally have said about me in the last few years is they had the kind of same core group of players. Um, that you know that that went to the well plenty of times and and, and, and nearly got them to the holy grail, but um, and, and then maybe they haven't had that kind of sprinkling of youth coming through. But now they have a you know a, a few good young players coming through, and they're kind of bedding them in alongside the likes of the the old hands like like Aidan O'Shea and Dermot O'Connor and Kelly O'Connor. Um, so I think you know, listen, it's hard, it's hard to tell after after one game, but you know they couldn't have done much better now. Mayo, I would say so. As a true man, I, I'm not looking forward to having to play against them next week, you know. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, and Pierce, you mentioned already just up front, they were brilliant to watch up front. They really, even though Mark or, uh, Mark Moran, yeah, he um, made his debut, it looked like they played with him for years. You know, him and Killian O'Connor up front, he knew where he'd be and they were running into the space off each other's shoulder. What did you make of them up front? Yeah, they, they, like I said, they were really, really impressive and 
like just touching on the points that the lads made about Galway, and I think like I I would generally tend to agree with Kerr, you know, on Galway. They are a team. They're obviously a talented team, but what the game showed me on the weekend was probably that Mayo have have been in many in many supporters' eyes. I think many people have forgotten how good they actually are. And I think that was the message they were sending to everybody on, on Sunday was, look, you know, the, all the talk was about Galway, you know, they were going to challenge. And they probably still, like Carter, they'll be there. Not only in the semi-final would be a good year for them, and they'll be there thereabouts. But for this on Sunday, it was all about Mayo sending a message to everybody else. The players they brought in from the, uh, from the under-20 side, were just, yeah, they fit like a glove, you know, the likes of um, Ushin Mullen, uh, Mark Moran, you know, but and also I think that's given the drive as well to some of the more senior stars like Aidan O'Shea and Killian O'Connor. So, yeah, I think they're look. You know, every year people say it's going to be their year, and I think they'll be there thereabouts. They're just like Galway and a few others, but they uh, were certainly very impressive. Brilliant. Um, we'll move on then to the next game, which is the Monaghan and Kerry. So Monaghan was 14 points, Kerry 17 points. So it was a three-point win there for Kerry. Um, and it was in Monaghan the game in uh, in Ishkeen. So home advantage there for them. Connor, what did you make of the game? Were you impressed with Kerry? I know um, Clifford up front, David Clifford, he was immense as usual. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're kind of running out of superlatives really to, to describe this call now. Like, I mean, he, he's just... He... He's just a, a super talent, really, and you know, yeah. he, he just he, he's well, he's well capable of of kicking the ball over the bar from from anywhere, really, within you know, nearly within his own, within the opposition half. So, um, yeah, he probably was just about the difference between the two teams, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I think you know, Monaghan's kind of a be a difficult enough place to go, especially you know down in Keen as well. Um, but I think Kerry be happy enough to you know to get a, get away with a couple of points. Um, Monaghan, I don't think they'll be they'll be too annoyed. I think um, you know they they're going to end a game next week with with me who are already relegated and and if they win as far as uh, I know that, that, that you know that they'll, they'll stay up. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I I don't think they'll, they'll they'll be too annoyed about it. I think as long as they go out and put a good performance next week, they'll you know they'll fancy themselves to stay up. What do you think the difference was maybe between the two teams? It only was three points. I know. Conor McManus only come on. Actually, does anyone know what the story was there? Why he only come on in the second half? Uh, well, he looked fresh enough. I think he got five yeah. when he came on. A couple of great scores from play. So, like, I think um, there wasn't an injury or anything. Not, not that I'm aware nope. of. When he looked, yeah. I say he looked sharp. And I know that obviously Andrew Woods got the the game at full forward for for Monaghan and and showed. You know, showed decent enough in the in the first half. What what I saw of him and um, like Monaghan don't need to hold about Conor McManus in this stage. And obviously, Conor's been been managing his his hips for about oh, for a yeah. long time, really, like for seventy years. And and um, and tends not to play. You know, in a normal year, you probably look at Adam playing about sixty percent of of their game time in the national league. So. He looked very fresh and very sharp when he came on um, to me, and I, I don't think looking at it, I don't know, but looking at it, I don't think there was anything behind it other than seeing yeah. what else they had. That's probably what it was, just knowing that maybe there's a limit on the time that he he can spend maybe on the pitch. But geez, I thought he he was absolutely the difference. You know, he kept trawling it back from them, and in the end, it was only three points, but I just thought he was a major difference when he came on. He's just outstanding as well. Um, talking about David Clifford and his link-up play, I, I love watching him and Conor O'Shea. Um, just It's great to see, obviously, they played together years ago underage as well. Sometimes I feel like Conor O'Shea, sometimes he gets left maybe in the shadow a small bit because Clifford obviously is David Clifford and he is as good as he is. I don't know if anyone agrees. Pierce, what do you think? Yeah, no, that's fair. I think uh, is it Sean O'Shea? Do you mean? Oh my God, Sean O'Shea, Jesus, Connor O'Shea. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I think I think Sean O'Shea has had an impact on the Kerry team as well. Like, in, in but I, I see what you mean with, with Clifford. Oh yeah, like he's he's 
Clifford uh, has kind of become almost, you know, the, the, the prince of Kerry because of the mm-hmm. comparisons to the likes of Cooper and, uh, and Morris Fitz. But, yeah, I mean, look, Kerry looks super strong this weekend. They look like they're, they're definitely up for it um, for, for the year ahead. Definitely. And, Carol, I'll bring you back in then as well. Um, obviously, talking about captain was a huge question over at the very start of the year over David Clifford. Would he be able for Is it too much pressure on a young lad? Do you reckon he's uh, stepped up to it? Uh, he's, he's, he's very comfortable in it. Um, you know, funny, we did, a, we did a Zoom call with him and, and Peter Keane last week. And you know, you can even just tell from the way he speaks, he's he's used to being a leader. He's he's very composed sort of a fella. He comes across as you know doesn't seem overly phased, uh, you know. And in terms, then that feeds into his temperament on the pitch because obviously he has to deal with defenders hanging out of him um, the whole time and and not reacting and different things and. And he's very, very good at that. And I think he's, he just comes across as a very sort of level, even fella. And from from that perspective, like I, I don't think they'd ever have made him captain if they thought it was it was going to go against him. Um, and uh, look, he, he's an outstanding footballer. Like he could, you know, he could break any records. He could he could go on and do anything. Who knows what he'll do by the time he's. He's retiring, but the guy was, you know, obviously he played. I know he got six on on Saturday, and but I was impressed with Kerry. You know, uh, there was a bit of debate about them on the Sunday game and Pat's Balan saying about, you know, this new defensive template and, and Kerry can play blanket football as well. And I'm just thinking, like, Look at last year's All Ireland final. Like it was nearly a, a masterclass in blanket at times. Um, mm. You know they they played on the counter that day. They played on the counter both days really, um, and had at times fifteen behind the ball in in both All Ireland finals and and at times fourteen. I think yeah, I didn't see fifteen back. Fourteen certainly back on on Saturday against Monaghan, and that's just that's that's the way of it now. Like and Gary have become. You know, there was obviously a lot of chat last week about how they have used the lockdown to, to um, which has been a massive advantage for them because that's where they were short last year. They were young and they were probably physically underdeveloped. And, you know, even though it was the first day out and even though it was rusty, the signs of the running game and the way that they broke, like I, I just thought, you know, I, I thought there was some real, real good in that game for them, even though scoreline probably doesn't do it much justice. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I definitely think they'll be one to watch now for this year. Um, if I was putting any bets on myself, now they would definitely be an All-Ireland contender. Um, we'll go to the Mead versus Dublin then. So this was, a well, I don't know, some people might say a bit of a shocker that Mead was only a four-point loss to Dublin. Um, I'm a Mead woman, so it hurts ever so much against the Dubs, always does. Um, I don't know, what did you make of it? Did you think Dublin would walk it, or were you surprised with the result in the end, Connor? Uh, uh, I mean, listen, fair play to Mead. Like, I mean, they've, you know, I know they're, they're, they're no, there's no points on the board, really, as such, but I don't think they've been really been disgraced in, 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 in any of their games. Like, I mean... Realistically, if you look at you know, if you look at the top eight teams in the in the division, like you know they are the weakest one there. But as I said, they they put up a good show. They've competed for for large parts of most of their games, and, and especially on, on at the weekend there. Um, that said, I, I I don't really think Dublin got out of you know kind of third or fourth gear. I'm not sure if they ever really needed to. Um, it's difficult whenever you can see the goal so early, and and I'm sure they'd be disappointed. You know, it was such a sloppy one to give away. Like I mean, Dublin or Dublin will, will punish you when you know you make minor errors, when you make, kind of make major errors like that on on, on kickouts. Like you, you, you have no hope at all, really. But um. No, listen. They may battle away right to the end, but uh, again, uh, I think I think Dublin have plenty more left in the tank, which we'll we'll probably see over the coming weeks if if the games go ahead. 
Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, you always wonder that with the dubs. Like we've seen with Mead, you know, if Mead were even again a few points back on the board, you've seen Dublin just push on again. You know, they're just they're just able to do that when you know a lot of teams aren't. But Mead, in fairness, and they dug deep and they, you know, they got it back to within one point. I think it was near the the last five minutes of the game. And something that I noticed uh, that we don't always see was the kickouts from Cluxton. They 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 weren't they were a bit misplaced. I don't know. Did you see that, Connor? Yeah, I mean, listen, people I think go through these um, periods with with Cluxton if he makes a mistake or if he, you know if he, if he does this and people kind of start to, to to question him. But I think I think we're past the stage now of 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 thinking that he's you know maybe one day he will kind of you know. Go, you know, go on the win, and his, his skills are kind of become called into question. But um, I, I, I do think maybe the the change in manager maybe is maybe having a slight impact on them. Um, you wouldn't have thought so as as players, in particular, you know, uh, particular uh, Cluxon. He, he, you know, he, he strives for perfection, obviously, in, in, in every game he goes out. So um, I'm sure he'll be, you know, he'll be, be disappointed maybe with with a few of the ones that went astray at the weekend, but. Um, Again, I think it probably comes with the territory of, of you know, Dublin really are not in, in, in going to be in any trouble in terms of relegation or, you know, they, they always had the game kind of, I think even though it got it down to a point, it was, it was comfortable enough for them. So um, I, I, I kind of tend to, to judge him more on the, the bigger games when the pressure's on and he's probably more likely to, to perform than not perform, you know. True, true. And Carr, what was your view on the game? Um, well, there's probably the only I was saying to the lads just before you come on the call. I think between bits and pieces, I, th- I think I saw about eleven games over the weekend, and Dublin Mead was was the only one I didn't really see. I saw bits of highlights, but um, yeah, one one thing that like as not really knowing the game, but just go back to the Leinster final that Mead played against Dublin um, last year, and and. People overlooked Mead's performance that day, um, you know, because they only scored, I think it was a single point in the first half. They kept Dublin to four points, playing yeah. almost man, playing almost man to man defensively, like, and so since that, you know, Mead to me have the defence of a Division One team, and just don't have the forward line of a Division One team yet. They're improving, but obviously losing. Losing Mickey Newman there, who's yeah. who was injured and then retired, is a massive loss to them, and it's it's where they'll fall down, you know, later in the year. I think come a championship game, they'd give Dublin another game f- for sure, and and they'll make it very very hard for them. But they just don't have the firepower to, you know, for Dublin really. Like you're looking at, you know, the magic number of twenty points to to beat them and. And uh, I just don't see Meath being the team to get there. But, you know, if they find a forward or two <laughs> over the next couple of years, um, even, you know, they look like the first serious challengers for a while. Yeah, like they're having no points this year. Is like in the league, it, it, it looks bad. You know, if you hadn't seen them play, but like you'd, you'd write them off altogether. But... If you actually go through their games, like, yeah, they lost Dublin by four, but then Mayo was one point. They lost to Kerry by three and they lost to Galway by two. You know, it's always such fine margins that they're losing by. So it's very tough to see them now get relegated down back down to Division Two. But, yeah, I, I, I think anyone that's seen the play or seen the games will be impressed that, you know, they are improving. But I think I agree with the, the forward line. There's a few Rateau players there, the Wallaces. I don't know. I'm sure you've chatted about them uh, probably the last few weeks when you're talking about the club stuff. But there is a few, you know, Fords that I know they weren't there probably due to different reasons now this week. But um, there is a few up and coming that I'm sure over time will maybe feature a bit more. Um, Just look look at what they've scored in the league. Like one nine, seven points. Uh, yeah. What, what, you know... One twelve. That that's what they're scoring like really, and and that's what their that's what their problem is. Yeah, and Pierce, you're a, you're a dub, so you must be happy enough. <laughs> ah, look, you know, 
We just uh, this all this weekend was about was just giving me the uh, chance to come down and play in Dublin. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, it is yeah. Look, it's always good to get a win, and it's always good to get a win against me, as you well know. Uh, wanting to get it on the opposite side, but I think what was interesting from my point of view was to see um, the new face this weekend, Keen Murphy. I think was making his debut, and I think after Darren Connolly retiring, Darren Daly retiring, and Bernard Brogan and a few others, I think this is a chance to see kind of like the, the new Dublin and the new Desi Farrell there as well, because, you know, he was there since, I think, November, December. But I think this is probably when we're going to start seeing the, you know, his imprint on the team and probably kind of concerned me a little bit was the fact that it was kind of going back to reliant on some of the bigger names again. Um, the likes of Dean Rock had a great performance going one eight. Keno Sullivan coming on to kind of tidy up the the defence, um, and a few others kind of doing it, and even Cluxton in the goals. And look, they're decorated, wonderful players. But I think when you see, for example, Mayo doing what they did to Galway, Kerry doing what they did to Monaghan, and you know deepening their squads a little bit more, Dublin we'll want to start looking for replacements for those guys they've lost. And, you know, hopefully well, it's, it remains to be seen if they have. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, there's a lot to look forward to there in watching the Dublin team, especially because the new manager is in. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they do progress and over the next year or so. Um, we'll look at the table then and we'll just round it up then for Division 1. I don't know if you have it in front of you there. Um, so we've Kerry on nine points, Dublin and Galway are on eight, Donegal on seven, Tyrone on six, Monaghan and Mayo are both on five and then we've Mead on zero points. Um, Carol, I'll come to you. Um, so what does it look like um, for who will maybe win it out or who will be getting relegated there? <laughs> What does it look like? It's it's. Uh, this is so I don't have to do I don't have to do this hard work. So I let you can take this away. Permutation. Well, it, it all gets some. It, it all gets very simple. If Kerry beat Donegal and Monaghan beat Meath, um, yeah. that, that that simplifies it. Um, <laughs> it you know uh, anything beyond that, and they're both you know there there's certainly no guarantees in terms of either of them I think Donegal Kerry will be a good game um, mm-hmm. I think you know because the only thing being whether Donegal just go full tilt at it with Tyrone um, the following weekend they might just you know they're safe now um, their points difference is such that you know even in a worst case scenario of Monaghan and Mayo both one and Donegal are safe so it you know, it has the luck of a game that they don't really need to go after that hard. And Tyrone do have to go after their game in Mayo. So, you know, come back to Tyrone Donegal's championship game is probably advantage Donegal from that perspective as well. Um, Monaghan, Monaghan should beat Meath and stay up, and then it's you know then it's Mayo and Tyrone should out really. Um, which yeah. is not the first time, I think. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was Kevin McLaughlin. Kevin McLaughlin point at the very end, I was right foot. Um, yeah. I uh, was on the last day as well, and like me, over the habit of being in big last day relegation games and getting out of them, so um, that might stand to them as well. Yeah, still all to play for there. So we'll move on to Division 2. So we have Roscommon and Armagh. This is a game I've seen actually over the weekend. So it's 310 Roscommon and 15 points there to Armagh. Um, I, it was definitely a game of two halves. So the Armagh was very impressive, I thought, in the in the first half. Do you know, it was I if I was putting on money on it, I would have said they were definitely gonna run out winners here. But I don't know. They, I don't know if they it was Roscommon just decided to start playing they were just so impressive I thought when it came into the second half they really they're like off the shoulder running creating the space it, it was just it was very impressive to watch and it shows what they they can do um Connor did you catch the game at all yeah I thought this was a, a very strange game altogether it was like yeah. it was, I, I came back after half time I think I was getting a cup of tea or something and uh I came back and 
I, I couldn't understand what was going on because I'm always so comfortable in the first half. Mm. Really, really were. Um, you know, Roscommon were, were controlling a lot of the ball and Armagh were just kind of falling back in the defensive shape. And Roscommon just looked as if they had no ideas, really. You know, and, and uh, Armagh were, were actually really good and incisive whenever they got the ball as well. Uh, they kicked a couple of real, real fantastic scores from, from long range and, and from, you know, from out in wide angles and stuff. Um, so I kind of, I nearly was half thinking to myself, am I going to throw it? And we're going to put this back on because um, I thought that oh, no, we're going to run away with it. And you know, before you know it, a couple of goals, soccer punches, um, and then it kind of just got away from them. Then it kind of didn't really look a bit. Didn't didn't really know what what had hit them at that stage. And 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 Roscommon kind of uh, came out on top in the end. But yeah, it was, it was a straight. I, I couldn't understand how how they lost it, considering you know they seemed in, in such control. Yeah, that is exactly it. I just thought they were so impressive. Like, they were doing the long ball in. Maybe that was something as well. They kept doing long ball in in the first half, and it worked really well. Um, it was Reen O'Neill and stuff. They're just very good, always out in front, popping it over, no bother at all. But then in the second half, it just didn't seem to work as well, and they didn't change it up almost. Um, yes, it was very, very strange. I don't know what happened. There was two penos as well with Roscommon. Um Enda Smith took them and maybe that was a difference too but I don't know where I just couldn't respond Cara I don't know if you caught this one I was at it actually oh right okay <laughs> what did you mean uh, one of the one of the 34 people in the stand that I counted um um look yes yes all right total total game of two halves but um the big difference was you know Ross Common sort of found the chink in, in Armagh's armour with the first penalty, you know, what Ender mm-hmm. Smith came in off the line and he ran hard at them and and it created the overlap and they realised from that that, you know, when you ran at them, Armagh didn't like it and, you know, the second half was basically built on that um, and Anthony Cunningham said as much afterwards, you know, we emphasised that at half time, you know, run at them and what we saw in the second half was, was you know, um, Connor Daly got the third goal from full back. Sean Malouli yeah. hit the hit the bar from cornerback, and uh, and then the penalty was won from the rebound by, by the second penalty by Niall Kilroy. And and all night in the second half, the I, I keep going to say Claire for some reason that because Armagh played Claire this weekend. The Ross Common defence overlapped and and got in behind and Armagh's sweeper was Callum McConaughey and he was a wee bit unfamiliar with the role they're usually you know they're usually very reliant on Britton Donaghy to to be in there but he wasn't playing on Saturday night and they just did not recognize the goal threat um quickly enough and by that point that you know by the point that they sort of come in the middle of the second half then they had to push right up and 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 Ross Common probably picked them off a wee bit in the space but it's a 12th time in McGinney's reign that Armagh have lost a game they probably should have won um, which is you know you're, you're averaging a couple of big games a year and that's big league games that they've thrown away leads and as you say like first half by far the better side locked mm. in complete control of the game and um, and managed to not win it and that has been a real theme for them over the last five or six years and has cost and promotions and they probably get away with it this time because they should win down in Clare and that would take them up. But um, it's a really worrying trend that they just cannot get shook of. Yeah, I am. Um, as you said, it, I think the difference was when Roscommon they just played direct and they did run at them and they just opened up, you know. Um, but it is very worrying. What, what, what do you think that is, or what can be done? Um, Pierce. Um, I think it's a case of probably a little bit of rustiness as well on top of everything. Um, mm. You know, I think that's the one thing that we're probably missing, probably playing in the grass as well, is because it's the players are in a very unusual position from physically, mentally, and conditioning wise. So it's a case of I think just probably giving a little bit of time, like you know, for instance. Watching Cavan and Kildare in the weekend, and 
there was a few bits and pieces in that game and even in the bigger games as well where players just looked a little bit out of step and a little bit out of tune. So it's probably a case of just uh, having patience. Yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully now um, we see Armagh getting out of that little uh, stint. I do love uh, watching them play. Well, we'll round up then the the league for uh, Division 2. So we have... Roscommon are on nine points. We've Armand Westmead on seven, Kildare, Cavan, and Clare all on six, Leash on five, and then Fermanagh on two. So it's a lot more interesting then um, on what's going to happen here. Um, Pierce, what do you what do you think will come out of this? A lot could. Well, could we happen. opened Pandora's box there. I, yeah. I, um, <laughs> I like. I think you're probably. I think are putting more or less up. I think you know all they need is a point and. I'd imagine, I think it's Claire playing Armagh. I'd imagine Armagh will probably get over the line there. They'll be a bit unhappy with the second half performance from the last weekend. So they'll probably go up. And in terms of going down, I think you're probably looking at probably Claire and Fermanagh uh, to go down. Yeah. And Connor, what do you make of it? Um, I suppose I, I caught a little bit of, of, of leasing Westmead. Uh, just a highlight there. Same scene a wee bit of both of them. I thought Westmead actually looked... Looks pretty good. Um, I'm not sure who they've got next weekend. I think it is. They're away to kill there. Yeah, so I mean that that's that's a tough fixture. Like you know, it's not it's not it's not one. It's, it's definitely not a banker for them. And, and you know, if you look at obviously Armagh against Clare, you know, you, you even even Armagh having to travel down there, um, you know, you you, you would probably fancy the Armagh to get the the better of that one. I would say so. Um, between the for relegation, then I imagine um. Yeah, Claire, Claire probably aren't 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 looking good there again. If if, if you're fancy fancy an Armagh to beat them, so um, yeah, I, I'd probably agree, agree with Pierce there. Probably for Armagh and Claire look look the most likeliest, I would say. Yeah, and we'll move along then to the Division Three. So we'll look at the Derry and Longford game. So we've Derry was two fourteen to Longford's twelve points. So we'll come to the dairy man. He might help us out on this one, Car. <laughs> you're, you're into the big guns now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what I, did you make of the game? You've seen it anyway. Or were I you didn't there? Have, I didn't. Have, oh, didn't know. <laughs> no, I was. I was driving to Armagh, so I listened to it in the radio. Oh, so, uh, oh right, um, that's right. Yeah. But um, by all reports from from anybody I spoke to now, it was a it was a very good dairy performance. Um, you know, Rory Rory Geller made the point afterwards that. You know, like Derry aren't that long out of Division Four. It's been free fall for for the last five years, really, and and they haven't been beating teams like this. They haven't been beating Longford, and they, you know they've awfully next week and Tipperary, and you know the teams around them in that league, and they haven't been beating them, and particularly Longford. Like you know, you, you mentioned the word Longford in Derry, and it brings out you know palpitations. We hate Longford. <laughs> because every t- every time they come up the road, every time they come up the road, they beat us, <laughs> and uh, they've knocked us out of three championships in the last in the last what, eight or nine years, like and and um, there's a real bogey thing. So I think they were just happy to get out of it. it. There's still a you know there's still a huge barrier in terms of promotion. You know they need Louth to somehow get a result against down, get a win against down um, on Sunday for Derry if they have any chance of going up and it's it's highly unlikely, especially in the context of, of down having missed out in promotion at home to Louth last year and been very sore about it. So they'll probably want to beat Louth by twice as much. Um, and it all points to Derry staying another year in Division 3. So that's uh, probably where they're at. But getting Connor Glass home... Um, yeah. Massive. So he made a comeback then, or was this his? Was it a senior debut? That was a senior debut as well. Yeah. yeah, he came off the bench with maybe 15, 15, 20 minutes to go, and um, like he's only he's only home in Ireland on the eighth or ninth of the month. Um, <laughs> at and he was you know he didn't have to quarantine, and so he was back out to training and come in and long term. Is is what they need because they've no midfield for a long time, no natural midfield, um, and they're crying out for him really. And so, you know, great to see him. Paul Cassidy um, got his 
first game only called onto the panel and scored 1-1 off the bench. Um, young forward from Balahi and there's been changes to the panel over the over the lockdown where Gallagher's brought in four or five, got rid of four or five and um, look, a good year for Derry would be beating Armagh. Um, that would be a great year for Derry because they yeah. haven't won an Ulster Championship game in so long um, and we would we would bite the hand off you for that at the minute. And do you think the the Derry football like it's it's I don't know improving like something that always strikes me with Derry football like you go the clubs are you know you're always hearing of them in the in the All Ireland phase you know of the Schlock Neils do you know do you think they're improving as years go on I just I always do wonder how they're not maybe further up in the divisions and the you know they should be. It's just a, it's just a thing. There, there is a mad county for for club football. Um, yeah. And not as heavily invested in the in the county team. And even you know, even just making that point about Rory Gallagher bringing in four or five and getting let getting rid of four or five. There's been. I remember I did a study. I think it was last year, and um, Derry had used. A hundred players in championship football in ten years, um, which was the equivalent of ten new players every year in your team. I was thinking um, about her, like I mean, just looking at the the team sheet here, like I'd be familiar enough with you know with with Derry kind of you know from from yeah. like, right along the border there. Like I mean, there's a few fellas here I've never even never even really heard of. Like I mean, what 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 is that? Um, what what was what was the cause of get those four or five fouls going in and and out over, over lockdown? Kind of variety of stuff was it or a couple a couple of bits and pieces. There is a couple of injuries. You know, Liam McGoldrick's injured. Um, Rory Mooney is on the panel, but but injured at the moment. And Ryan Bell just a loss of form. They were probably the most significant ones. Thomas Malm sort of was was sort of challenging for goalkeeper, but he's actually moved into the goalkeeping coach. Position and they've brought in Conlon Bradley from from Glen, who was who was an outfield player up until this year as the as a sub goalkeeper. So, but but it's an eternal revolving door in Derry. Like it has just been, you know, every single winter it seems like a brand new panel, and you know it seems to be always picked from the same base. You know, we've so few players from intermediate and junior clubs that that get a look in and you know deserve a look in to be honest mm. you know I, that's not something that I would be you know even though I play for a junior club it's not something that I would hold as a as an issue that county managers oh they don't pick you know they don't pick from the wee clubs and there's nothing out there that I see that isn't playing county football that should be at, at those levels so it's about trying to keep a squad together and trying to build them up physically there are, are are quite far away physically. Um, it's the biggest barrier to progress at the moment. Football ways, they're they're probably you know they can be worked with, but it's it's keeping a panel together and getting them through five or six years of their conditioning work and building them up into a proper senior county team, which they're you know they don't look like at the minute. If you look at them talked out, they're they're just quite a light team. Yeah, it is a question I have always wondered over the years because um, you're seeing them in the club action. But uh, yeah, maybe, as you said, just they need to stick together, you know, as a panel. And, you know, it it, it, take a, it takes a, obviously you see with Dublin or wherever, you always see the lads coming up and they stick together from years upon years and then they go on and they win. So, yeah, uh, maybe that's the key. And we'll touch then lastly just on the Wicklow and Antrim game. It's like, Wicklow 7-11 to Antrim 7 points it's like it doesn't look like an inter-county game like a scoreline Pierce what do you I don't know if you've seen it or seen highlights or what did you make of that um, I haven't seen highlights of it but yeah I think um, it's one of them things I suppose probably like I wonder about the, with the, the lower down the division you go well, what the enthusiasm is going to be like not that Damnitin against teams playing down there, but but it's so with the GPA survey and we were discussing before, Claire, like it's now half and half with players in terms of wanting to play it and maybe that's starting to reflect in performances as well. And 
you know, in term in terms of although in Division Four, you know, you have a couple of teams up towards the top who are um, in contention. So, but yeah, it's 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 low scoring to say the least. Yeah, big time. Um, Connor, what did you make of that? Seven goals, quick look at. <laughs> I think it's kind of like before you know it. it you know, while it's obviously a pretty poor scoreline from from Anthem's perspective, seven goals you know, can see it's, it's never a good day at the office. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't really be reading into it, you know, any more than that. I suppose, um, you know, if you look at the Division Four table there, like it's not as if they're, they're sitting at the bottom of the table. They got a good couple of results at the you know at the start of the league campaign. Obviously, you know, we have to consider all, all the everything that's gone on between that that's and. True, you know, yeah. Like, you know, I think we talked about it the last week or so, and you know, even across other sports as well, we're seeing some really strange scorelines, some really kind of you know odd pa- patterns of play and behaviour and stuff across all sports, and particularly in the GA. So, um, I, I think kind of you know, after a couple of goals go in, maybe your head goes down, and you, and you really start thinking about about the next week, particularly as um you know within Division Four when when you know you, you, you can't go down, you know the, the heads maybe start to go down at that stage and. Um, so I think though, uh, while you know it's obviously a, a poor scoreline, it doesn't read well. Um, Wicklow are a good side. Like I mean, you know they'll they'll, they'll cause plenty of, plenty of teams problems. I, I I think and if if they do go up to Division Three and um, yeah, I just uh, I, I I wouldn't read o- overly into it, but I'm sure Hansom will definitely be disappointed in there with that. Yeah, no, definitely no brilliant point. Well, lads, thanks so much for joining me tonight. And um, there was loads to get through. Loads for the the first uh, weekend, and we we'll look forward to now. Hopefully, next weekend we'll see what the announcement is. Now tomorrow, I'd say it will be at this stage. And um, for everyone listening, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at GA Scores, and also be sure to like and subscribe on our podcast app of choice. Well, thanks so much, lads, and we'll chat again soon. Thanks, I see. This week's podcast is sponsored by Malone Accountants in Rathcool in County Dublin. Be sure to check out maloneaccountants.ie or follow them at Malone and Co Tax on Twitter and Instagram and Malone Accountants on Facebook. Thank you for the support and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the GA Scores podcast. <laughs>